Chronicles of Bruce Street Mafia. This is a Red Dog Fred production. Thank you, Kevin. Welcome back to the Logical Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Lodge. Today I have a special guest. Um, he is a published author and a columnist and runs a blog, Mark C. Atkins. Mark, good to have you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we had to kind of uh, do this, start this over. We we're having some technical difficulties, and uh, we were, uh, bef- before we um, stopped, we were talking you write for the paper. Right. I've written on and off again uh, a column uh, uh, for the Paris uh, Post-Intelligencer for several years uh, under the moniker Look Away. Now, what is that? Look Away um, from Dixie. Okay. Okay. Yeah, right. Um, And I also have been blogging uh, since the election uh, as well. Which election? Oh, the the, the last sad one. Um, The 2020. 2020. So you've been – and the blog is the same – I but the blog's called uh, a look away as well. Okay, of gotcha. course, right? Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. MCAtkins.com, I think. Gotcha. Right. So you do this for? Uh, well, I do it partly for therapy. Um, like you, I'm a thinker. I, I've, I've always just been. Uh, I sort of can't turn it off. And I've always, uh, since I was a boy, contemplated life yeah. and things and history and geography and whatnot. And um, I sort of I have ideas and thoughts I want to share, so I decided to start to write a little bit and to share these. And I asked Michael Williams if he would, if I could, if he if he wanted to uh, print my stuff in the opinion section several several years ago, and he did. I'm grateful for that. And then then I'm always slow to, with technology. I'm the last person to realize that that somebody invented the wheel. Um, yeah, it's, so, it's a mystery to it's me. It's a well. mystery, and I, I, I like it that way. I'm, I don't want to be bleeding edge. So, yeah, let I, everyone else kind of work out the kinks, and right. then you, yeah, you can adopt what's going to stick right. and what's not. Absolutely. So in 2020, yeah. um, I was I was upset about the election, like so many people were, and then all of a sudden it occurred to me, well, I, maybe I could start a blog and start posting my thoughts there. Yeah, right. So, um, what do you think right now? about our current administration as far as um, you, you said you're upset about the election. Obviously, course, you're upset yeah. that Biden uh, won the election. Right. So what what right now do you think about our current administration? Well, bear in mind that I don't follow politics closely at, at all. Um, Why is that? Uh, I don't know. It just doesn't interest. The, the, the details of the politics don't interest gotcha. me. Gotcha. I'm a headline reader. I, I, keep, I, I take the pulse of the country via headlines, but okay. I, I don't study – What's going on carefully? Right. All right. Uh, as to President Biden, he's clearly suffering uh, dementia. Yeah. So that's something that that's, uh, that's troubling. Yeah. That's 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 something that I think is. Um, I think everyone kind of understands that. Sure, it was happening in the in, in twenty twenty. It's probably been going on before. Then it happens. He's in his late seventies. That's going to happen. What was troubling is that he, at the end of the day, was. Uh, chosen by the democratic party to represent them because surely they had somebody better somebody more sound somebody, yeah okay um i don't mean necessarily left less leftist but just somebody overall more a, sound a, a better candidate all right yeah but they didn't so there, there must have been reasons i don't know what they i can only speculate as to what they are what do you speculate those reasons oh are? well um he is institutional he's been uh it's his, it was a his career turn, politician a career politician it was yeah. his turn he was presumably extremely well connected uh, amongst power circles, and then the powers that be, whoever they are, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but there are pow- always powers that, that be. Always has been, always, always will, be. will be. Yeah, uh, they they decided that he was the man for whatever reason they had. Okay, so fair enough. But what was baffling to me is that they ch- chose he chose Kamala Harris, who was weak across the board. Had no she experience. offered nothing except being half black. Right. Okay, and being a woman. Right. Be, uh, beyond that, I mean, she had a reputation by then that she had earned as, as being not maybe a hundred, not necessarily the sharpest knife in the drawer. 
Um, she she was from California, which they they were going to win California regardless. So, she convicted a lot of uh, low level drug offenders. She sure. was a proud of that. Sure. It kind of went against the policies of the left to have someone that had run, run so many right. convictions against low level yeah. drug offenders. And so now they have this this woman uh, who is not held in high esteem by her own party. She has has no base of support herself. And this who, dementia who, ridden. Who, and we have this, a, a man who clearly has some kind of dementia. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's like, uh, who, I want to know who's running the show. Yeah. So, so the question that I have that, and, and, and people, I guess this is where the people want to label me as a conspiracy theorist or want to label me as far right or, or whatever is who's got the codes by the codes. I mean, like who, okay. who has the codes to the, <laughs> okay. to the, to the, to the bombs, right. right. You know, is it, is it Biden can Biden just like wake up in the middle of the night and think he's a Senator and like call up and say, Hey, we need to bomb. And then say some country that doesn't even exist anymore that exists under the Soviet bloc or, okay. well, you, you, know, know. you know, back in ancient, in ancient Rome, there was a, the Praetorian guard sure. that, that had become extremely powerful, powerful during a certain period of time. And they sort of became the de facto rulers who sort of controlled the, the, the emperors for a while. They also assassinated. And they assassinated them. They, they, they would place their man in there, whatever. So there clearly are, there are, within our massive federal bureaucracy, that institution, there are people that are very powerful. There are, so we had this Oval Office where, where X, X number of very powerful men and women reside. And we have this president who's not, can't be in charge entirely. Okay. Um, because he's uh, has dementia, presumably. So who controls him? Well, the first person we would think about would be his wife, naturally. Okay. The, who, who, who controls him is the person that, that can get him to sign his name. Okay. To get him to say, to read off a cue card, this or that. Right. Okay. Presumably his wife's in the middle of that little cabal, that little group of, of people that have some influence over him. Right. Is, is another relative? Is his chief of staff? Uh, the uh, see, I mean, I, I don't... I don't know who all these people are, so you're saying I, I want to know who controls his signature. Yeah, yeah. Who controls his schedule? Who gets him up out of bed every day? Yeah. You know, uh, because I just don't think he's uh, entirely um, running his own show anymore. So why do you think that the that so much of the left wants to embrace him as? their candidate do you think it's just a so much of a hatred for trump that they just are like well if it's anyone but trump even though we can see that the fruits of his administration has obviously turned this country um is is turning this country into a negative uh, i don't i don't know i mean going at eighty thousand foot level we have this broad religious war and it is a religious war between you know the enlightenment philosophy and the older christian worldview so what do you mean by enlightenment philosophy? Well, uh, whatever, bear in mind, Jonathan, I'm no scholar at all. Um, but for ages in the West or throughout Europe, you know, the, the dominant prevalent worldview was Christianity. Okay. There's a lot of competition between Christian factions, of course, for the first 1,800 years of, of, of the church. But um, then there was the, 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 what we call the Enlightenment, Right, eighteenth century, um, where there's a new philosophy based upon, you tell me, reason based upon science that would marginalize Christianity. Right. right. Um, so, and we we call this uh, liberalism or progressivism or secular humanism, and um, this Enlightenment philosophy would give birth to all manner of isms, you know, such as, you know, ultimately socialism, you know, communism or capitalism or feminism. Uh, it was the birth of ideas. I, we, there would be, we, we would uh, elevate ideas to sovereign status um, rather than a, a God as being sovereign. Um, and then whatever, whatever, whatever he revealed to us as having great weight and meaning— Instead, we would say um, that freedom was a sovereign good, or that equality was a, a sovereign good, or that individuality was a sovereign good. So, or in other words, we, we, you're saying that in, in this historical timeline that you're laying out, you're saying that value judgments were changed. In other words, that what what is good and what is bad changed during this time frame to uh, more lean upon ideas, because 
I mean, there there's some Christians that would argue that science and Christianity aren't incompatible. They're, they are compatible. They absolutely, are compatible. Absolutely compatible. Right, right, right. And that um, logic is compatible. Of course. Right, right, right. So right. these these thinkers, though, were here, elevating their own... Here, here we go. Here's what happened. Okay. So in the, in the Christian worldview, uh, God was sovereign. God was the beginner. He was the originator. The first mover. He, 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 the first mover the, and the immovable. Right. All right. So he's a, a, a center of gravity. Sure. We, we, no matter, we, we humans, we have an imagination. We can go anywhere we want with it, but we're always, we send, seem to be drawn back. We will always be drawn back to, to God. Now that God has been eliminated, well, who becomes or what becomes a center? Well, man becomes a center. So man can... Imagine whatever he wants and who's going to challenge him. Well, it won't be God because God no longer exists. So <clears throat> what is the standard in which you challenge man? How? What is the standard in which we could challenge man? Because I would argue that the same tenets of the Enlightenment, right? So like critical thinking, logic, sure. all these things. We could use Reason. these thing, reasons. We can use these things to challenge um, man. I I, well, I myself am okay. a Christian. What's the what's the end for man then? Okay, the Christian would say to what's the proverb in 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 that's Proverbs uh, love God, serve him with all your might, something like that. Sure. The Christian would say the end the end duty of man, the end of man is to serve God. Okay. Right. Fair enough. But if there's no God, then what is and but how, end. how how do we do that? And I would argue that okay. what makes Christianity so unique among the all of the other world religions, okay. what makes it very very different, is that um, we are to one way in which we serve God is to love our enemies, not love those that are your friend or people that you know or your family, but to love your enemies, not invade them, not right. uh, drop bombs on them, but to to clothe, to feed, to love your enemies. Now. That's challenging for human nature. Okay, human nature, because that's where I wanted to go. So what you just described is the Christian idea of requirement of self-discipline and self-sacrifice. Absolutely. That's our, that's our faith. That's at the bedrock of the strength of our faith. Even if Jesus Christ was, in fact, just a man and he did and wasn't resurrected from the dead. Um, or even if he didn't exist. Even if he didn't exist. Right. Uh, if you embrace the idea of self-sacrifice and self-discipline, that's a recipe for success in life. It's just a good philosophy. It's one reason that I am a Christian, because it's just a sound, smart philosophy. But let's get back to the idea of what are we so – if, if, if God doesn't exist and our goal is not to serve him in the way that you just described by behaving in a certain way, well, then what – are we to do what is our end i don't think you can have i would argue that you cannot have a values system that a value system you cannot place what is good or what is bad if you are just dependent without a god because ontologically speaking without a code. right without without you're just going to have materialism Standard. well okay you, so let's go to human nature sure so i'm going to say let's let's start at the very top uh, let's decide. Uh, let's you and I decide what we're going to do. The first thing we, uh, I guess, I guess at the very beginning, um, we it, it, we start with perception. What it is, who said, uh, uh, I think, therefore I am him. Descartes. That would be very good. Okay, uh, yeah. gold an, star. An enlightenment thinker. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's say that um, so there's something to that. We 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 do think. All right. So. Now we're perceiving, we're, we're, we're looking around us and, and, and observing, uh, well, well, then what? Then the next thing would be, well, our relationship with our fellow man, because we are, we are not born alone. We're born to a, a woman, okay? Sure. And we are born amongst people. And, and we're social. And we're social beings. Yes, okay? we are not. We are not just alone. All right. So therefore, my relationship with, the, uh, with my fellow man must be the next step. Well, how can I have a relationship with him? Well, I mean, I'm in existence with him in the same space, but I'm going to communicate with him in one form or another. It could be with signs. It could be with grunts. All right. But we can't have any meaningful, deep conversations like we're having right now unless there's language. Of course, human beings, we speak. We've spoken since the beginning of time. So do you and I have the same language? 
So yes, we both speak English. Therefore, we can now communicate at, on some level. Do we agree on the definition of words? I say the curtains are black. Do you agree? You say yes. Okay. I say two plus two equals four. Do you agree? Yes, I do. Okay. We just keep on going down the list. So you just used an empirical example. Okay. So you you're, you made an observation with okay. your eyes. Okay. Right, which can deceive you. Sure. But then you just made an objective, I would argue an objective example, by using mathematics. Because I would okay. argue that 2 plus 2 equals 4 is nowhere to be found in the physical world. Okay. We might be able to have physical representations sure, of what of you just said. But you just named something that points sure. to, what I would argue, points to a divine existence in the first place. Points to a universal value system. I'll buy that if you say so. No problem at all. <laughs> no problem. But uh, but, but uh, my... Uh, what, my question is, do we agree upon what we perceive? Do, do, do we agree upon terms? Do we agree upon the definition of words? Can we have a conversation that's meaningful? I think that is the only way in which we can talk and use language right. is by All agreeing right. upon so, terms. So, so let's say that we basically we, we, we agree upon what terms mean. Well, then, then, I, then I think the next thing that well, the next step we would take is who? OK, Jonathan, who are we? Right. Well, you say, well, we're human beings. Okay, what is it to be human? There's, now we're getting into human nature. And this is a topic that we pretty much don't discuss in our society. At all. Hardly at all. At all. We'll, dis it, we'll discuss thing, uh, things in terms of freedom and equality and individuality and rights. Right. Okay, but we just sort of ignore. What does it mean to be a human? What is human? Yeah, what are What, what, are what is human nature? And so I would, I would say that, that um, my study of Enlightenment philosophers and any fact checkers out there, anyone listening to this, uh, by all means, um, fact check me on this. But most of the Enlightenment philosophers, uh, uh, you know, we're talking Kant, we're talking Hume, they abandon the idea that we can know these universal truths about ourselves. They abandon the idea that we can even ha place a value judgment on well, these questions that we're asking, okay. we can never know the answer okay. to these questions because, you know, when you, when you quoted Descartes, I think, therefore I am, right? Descartes himself basically says, well, that's all the knowledge that we can ever know. So, in fact, I can't even know that you're physically here or that this table's physically here. The only thing that I can absolutely know with certainty is the fact that I am thinking, right? Okay. So the, so the Enlightenment said, well, we're, we're, we're rejecting God's existence, and we're going to only try to use objective fact, okay. you know, a thought process through reason, through logic, to try to understand the world around us. Okay. But I would say that logic is absent without God. You, okay. You don't, you don't have a standard. You're, edu you're educating me here. Let's, let's consider some of the madness of today. Sure. All right, transgenderism. Okay. All right, so a man declares he— Do you think that's a, a value of today? Is it? Well, not necessarily. Okay. I mean, no, what— you're, don't get me off track. Wait a second. Oh no, I'm just transgenderism. I have an okay, interesting a man perspective on this. Declares that I think. he's a woman. Okay. All right. To me, that's madness. Okay. He's clearly a man. A woman declares that she's a man. All right. That's madness. So you're saying that De Descartes um, said that all I can know is that I think, but I, I can't know that anything this, else. Okay. Now, that's absurd. Now, it's that is absurd. That is absurd. That's the definition. Okay. I would agree. Was was. So that that's like the the proto proto wokeism may, maybe absolutely he he got us off the, the track centuries ago okay he was the, one of them yes yeah the, yeah the table clearly exists right if, if it's if it's if there's snow on the ground it is in fact cold outside right now, you, know, you, you can do all kinds of mental gymnastics my own bugaboo women in combat we can pretend that institutionalizing women in combat is a good idea or that it won't make a difference but the reality is that combat is an extension of man's unique masculine nature and we can we can pretend that's not the case but it is in fact the the the, the truth so to 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 back you up a few steps if sure. you don't mind so we're talking about you know you you brought up the issue of transgenderism yeah um so you you said you were a student of history when we were talking before Amateur. we started this. And, uh, me too, me too. Yeah. But you're still a student. You're still oh, yeah. a student. I, you're I always it. learning. You're always, always learning, always learning, it. always learning. Yeah, and I think history is important because it— Gigantically you know, important. Yes, absolutely. It gives us a perspective on our own time. It gives us a perspective on the future. We study the past that we may anticipate the future. That's that right. That we may act wisely in the present. So um, what's interesting to me, and this isn't my unique idea by any means. This was a, 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 actually a, a feminist philosopher out of the U.K. She— was writing on transgenderism and basically her 
critique was that when she was studying the collapse of various civilizations, whether it was from the Indus Valley or whether it was the um, Assyrian Empire or whether it was the fall of Rome, that, that these in the very end, at the very, very end of these civilizations, as they were collapsing, the Ming Dynasty, whatever it was, they were fixated on gender. They were fixated okay. in their own unique ways, whether from Rome, it was hermaphrodites, okay. whatever it was, okay. but there was this fixation on gender. And it was, and essentially, the argument she is making is this is one of the few basic truths that we can perceive objective truths that we perceive right out of the gate. So if you, if you ask a two-year-old who's a man, who's a woman, a two-year-old is going to be able to perceive the difference okay. between the two. So when you erode that basic truth, again, this is her, her okay. idea, which is, I think, ironically, a progressive feminist philosopher okay. out of the UK. Okay. But she's saying, look, if we look at history, history is going to tell us that this is an indicator of a societal collapse. The fact that these statistics, we're statistically speaking, if we go back a century, if we go back 10 years, if we go back 20 years, this group of uh, gender um, dysmorphia, I believe, is the actual scientific term, is a, is, a per, is a percentage of a percentage. Whereas now in our society, it has grown and it is growing exponentially. So she's saying, hey, look, it's not the fact that these people were hiding or that they were closeting their views all along. It's the fact that we're in a society that is eroding away basic truths and basic understandings. And it's furthermore an indicator historically yeah, sure. of a collapse. Sure. I'll, I'll buy that. So do you think we're in a collapse? Oh, clearly we are in a uh, – uh, our culture has been degenerating. Uh, um, it, you're talking about Western. Western culture in particular. In particular. Since the 1960s, the Cultural Revolution, the Sexual Revolution, um, where we have de denied basic truths, a, a basic understanding about our, our, our humanity uh, in our attempt to create freedom, our brand of freedom, equality, you know, in order to raise the individual above the group, above the family even. Okay. We're not living... And therefore, we, we are not living rational lives. Yeah, equality is a tricky word because when we're, when we're talking about equality, I mean, if you obviously see uh, a man that is 300 pounds and, and built like a brick house, ah, yes. and then you see a, uh, a woman that is 5'1 and 100 pounds wet, right. you know, there, obviously there's a physical difference between those two yeah, people. They're, it's they're, they're, Why it's, are we discussing it's, this? Yeah, it's, it's so obvious, right? It, it is so obvious to objective thinkers. Right. This isn't a right worldview yeah. tenant or a left worldview tenant this is something that objective thinkers like myself yeah. and like yourself yeah. are making yeah. it is an obvious statement but not to everyone right now okay. we want to again fight this that's another basic truth that's right. another basic truth is that we can see a difference they're, sure. they're, they're not equal that's right right that's usain right. bolt no matter how hard i train no matter how fast i can run he's going to be able to outrun me right he he i mean if 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 uh, LeBron, if I go one on, if you go one on one with LeBron James, he doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> you don't stand a chance. <laughs> oh, oh, I got yeah. that wrong. Yeah, you got that wrong. <laughs> you don't stand a chance against LeBron James, right? I mean, you go one on one, he's no. going to dunk on you every That's single right. time, right? That's I mean, right. it's just you're not made equal, right? He's yeah. seven foot, whatever it is. I mean, he's he's a giant of a man. He's going right. to be able to. There's sure. not equality. So from the beginning, from the outset. Physically speaking, sure. we don't have equality. No. So should we? So should we have equality in our rights? I guess is is because yeah. now we're getting into yeah. that's maybe the, the Constitution. Where yeah, that's the million dollar question, and it's a good question. We, we uh, the Christian idea is that we're equal in the sight of God, and that's enormously meaningful. Uh, other than that, we are clearly. What does that mean to elaborate? Uh, to be equal in the sight of God, are all, are all we all have souls, that, and God loves us all equally. God has given forgiveness. Yes, we all have an opportunity to spend an eternity with Him in heaven. Right. Okay. He does not hold one man of more value than another man. Gotcha. Okay. But that being said, here on earth, we're manifestly not born equal. Yes. All we hold these truths, all men are created equal. Uh, well, no, they're clearly not created equal. But do they, but do they mean 
created equal in the sight of God, I'll buy that. Okay. Do they mean created equal in the eyes of the law? I'll probably buy that. I like that idea that no man is above the law. Okay, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, so, that, so, so yeah. when you say a, a corrupt senator, let's say, uh, sure. has their husband maybe buying uh, stocks in uh, NVIDIA or, or – Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're a headline reader, man. This is, so you, <laughs> oh, yeah. you need, you need oh, yeah. to read the details. Yeah, it, oh, it yeah. happens, unfortunately. Right, so yeah, I, I, with, I like, no, with no repercussions. I like that idea. We're <laughs> yeah. all equal before the law. That's yeah. a grand idea. Right. Okay. But um, uh, but we are literally otherwise not equal. Some people uh, – IQ is real. Uh, I don't have a high IQ. Uh, I, I assume it's above average, but I, I don't know. Um, there are people way smarter than me. Okay. Yeah, and when you I, meet a really smart person, you know it. You're I, like, oh I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm accept not. Accept that. I'm okay yeah. with that. I, yeah. I'll take my, my my place in the in the pecking order. Sure. Um, and there are, there are people with lower IQs. And it, it, it is what it is. Um, you know, there are people, as you point out, that have, have physical strengths, and uh, the other and other people are particularly uh, weak in one way or another. Men and women are clearly not the same. That's correct. Obviously, it's very obvious. Okay, from, from a genetic, even All from right. a very, even to the most minute sure. to the cells. Sure. So I mean, a lot of people they want to ask, you know, I guess the million dollar question is like, what is a woman or what is a man or whatever? And I'm, I'm just from a biological standpoint. Right. We we don't get to redefine these words. We can no. look at the chromosome and we can say women right. have these chromosomes, men have these chromosomes. Well, actually, men carry both sets of chromosomes, okay. but it's only in their reproductive right. organs that they carry both right. sets of chromosomes. It's not a problem, in, except that we have elevated, uh, let's say, equality to a so like a god, like equality, uh, individualism, individualism, and freedom. It's, it, that's the modern post-enlightenment trinity in the West. We've done away with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we have a new trinity that are, that are gods, and they're not to be questioned. We don't question them. Okay, even though we're manifestly not equal, uh, we, are, uh, we, uh, we are manifestly not just individuals, you know. We're, we're, not, uh, we're manifestly not born free. Correct. You know. Um, I have kids. They're not. They they're not born do, free. They don't get to do whatever they want. I, I don't get to do whatever I want. I don't want. get to I'm, do whatever I want. I'm subject yeah. to the law. Absolutely. I'm, I'm subject to my captain, so to speak. If the king calls us to arms, I must go to defend the people. Right. Um, yeah, right. So, You're a little too old for that, though. Wait. Hey. hey. <laughs> I'm not picking on you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you I still, still got it. You still got it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll go to the wall. I don't know what the cutoff date is. I'm 36. Oh, yeah, I think I'm no, too old. Not. Listen, if they're drafting me, we're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> We are in I got you, trouble. I got you, I got you, oh, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> artillery across yeah. the, the Tennessee River. Yeah, I saw, I saw where they're, um, uh, they were trying to lower the uh, voting age, but they're they're not trying to maybe raise the or, or lower, lower the, the draft age. Right, right, right. There's no correlation to that. They're saying, oh, well, humans, you know. Why, why, would, why would you lower the voting age? It's all part of this idea of, uh, uh, of equality. Uh, we, we have these radical progressives that worship the idea of equality so much so that they want to give people the freedom to uh, mutate themselves and, 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 or, uh, and change their gender surgically. Mm -hmm. okay, now this, is, this, is, this is craziness. All right, but I think subjecting uh, children to it is, is oh, yeah. where the children should be, equal, but they should be equal. Yeah, they should be free. When you, when you apply, when you when these become gods and you apply them to the extreme, that that this is what you have. We're not we're not talking about human nature and, and what is humane and, and what uh, uh, you know. Ch children are are born and they grow through any number of growth cycles until uh, until they're finally adults and are able to do this or that. And this growth cycle continues on and on until until old age. So the five year old is not equal with a 35-year-old. Correct. And they're not equipped to make the decisions right. to mutate their right. own body permanently but for the rest of their life. if you worship uh, equality, no, he is equal. And if you get a vote, well, so does the five-year-old get a vote. But then we, but then, but here comes the cynicism. Maybe what they're doing is just trying to expand the su suffrage because they know the broader the suffrage is, the more easier it is to control. The bigger the mob, the easier it is to control. How hard would it be to buy the vote of a five of a, a group of five year old kindergartners? I mean, super easy. I mean, pretty easy. I mean, some candy, <laughs> some maybe candy. some toys. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, I mean, that would buy my vote to be honest with you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm pretty easy myself. So, so yeah. um, you know, let's let's go back to this. Um, and I know we're 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 kind of all over the place, all which right. I love. I, I love, love it. it um, you know. 
this idea, because I guess I haven't heard this idea of you're saying that there is a new post enlightenment Trinity. So it is the, and we're not to question it just like we're not to question the Trinity, but if, if I may sure, be a historian, yeah. the first 800 years of the church was the church questioning the Trinity or rather, or the nature of Christ, right? Christology was yeah. a huge oh. factor in the development of, of the church. Incredibly divisive. I mean, this, it was, it was. And right. so now obviously the, the, the Christian, um, which is a broad term. Again, this is a broad term that covers 33,000 different denominations that covers about a dozen different Catholic denominations. And I don't know if that would be the correct okay. term for, for, Catholic denominations, but Catholic worldviews, let's say, uh, Catholic traditions, I okay. guess, would be a better better sure. way to put that. Um, but, you know, the first 800 years of the church was mainly them focusing on questioning the Trinity, or rather, Arianism arise, sure. or, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of... Um, some of the other heretical sects that arised and and or arised and the the church's answer to some of these questions like was Christ divine or was Christ sure. God? Right. So we are maybe to question the Trinity in so well, much sure. as we need to. So so my answer is to the new Trinity that you're right. Maybe not being able to question it, maybe this is a false equivocation. Yeah, they always debated the nature of Christ out of the gate. Um, but, you know, so they're, they're debating the, the nature of Christ. He still gave the Sermon on the Mount. He still taught what he taught. So we're always still going back to the, the, the teachings of Christ. We're always going back to God, you know, whether or not there is a God. Um, but this, this, but when we've elevated, you know, equality and and freedom and individuality to sovereign status, I, th I think that's a little bit different, uh, because now we, what are we? What are we've now allowed our? Golly, Bill, I'm a little bit lost. We're allowing our subjective nature to yeah, it, to it, imprint itself on the reality of society. Yeah, if if I say if if if, if I'm an individualist. And I, and I worship in individ, individualism, so to speak. I consider it a sovereign truth. What's going to keep me from um, rejecting my responsibilities as father and husband? You know, if, I, if I put my individuality above all, why, why shouldn't I just uh, abandon my family if, if I want to? Right. That's the problem. You know, if I worship equality, not just, not just before the law, but just sameness. Then, then what's going to keep me from saying that we should I, we, I, we should all have the same outcome? So you have more money than me. Well, that's not fair according to my God equality. You should give me some of your money so that we're equal in this regard. Right. Okay. Regardless of whether right. it has been earned, regardless right. of whether it has been gifted, regardless right. of whether I found it under a rainbow, it and, doesn't matter. And, and it's my the, money. And that is what we have today. So, but how does that not infringe on personal rights? I mean, you know, obviously, if if I would question the individualist, I would say, how, how is this not infringing on your very tenets, you your very foundations? It's more the madness. Uh, of progressivism, you can't reconcile equality and freedom. Right. You can't reconcile the two. Right. It, yeah. If, if there's not, if, if I'm free, if, if, then we, we're not equal. We're not equal. If, but we're, if equal, we're equal, we're, we're not, not free. We're not free. Right. right. Because so, we have to distribute this. We have to right. distribute this whatever materialism right. or whatever it is that yeah. we we need to redistribute. And then, and, and then what is equal? You know. If the you know the communists tried to create an equality of outcome, but that but now they're not just stopping at distribution of material wealth, okay, which was impo this is impossibility, and the communists proved it again and again. There's still an elite. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Right. Sure, there's no czar, but now there's Lenin, and he he's got the, and he, he and his gang have the money. But anyways, not not only the money, but with the. I mean, we're talking. If you're talking about, you know, the the Soviet Russia, we're we're we've got a body count of almost a hundred million. Staggering, right? A, a, almost almost a hundred million of any opposition, right. and 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 the and, and a, a lot of the opposition was free thinkers, were sure. people that were free thinkers. Of course, a lot of the opposition was the Christian Church. A lot of the opposition might be the mentally disabled. It might be uh, different races. It might be different. I mean, there was all this, and it there was no. 
uh, measure. There was no good or bad when it came to the extermination of these people. It's right. only if they challenged the state, sure. only if they challenged the status quo. Right. So right now we're kind of in the same boat. We have a society that we're saying you can't challenge the status quo. You can't challenge these these this unholy trinity right. or what, whatever right. you called it. I forget what the trinity of the West or whatever. It's yeah. an, it is an unholy trinity. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I hate to use these apocalyptic biblical terms. I don't, I don't want to lose people, but it is right. kind of beautiful and eloquent in speech, in, in my opinion, to, to use this. And well, by, Okay, well, by their fruit you shall know them. By its fruit we have gotten to know communism. Right. Like every time it's tried, it ends in bloody spec, horrible, bloody, horrible catastrophes. Yeah. Numbers beyond imagination. A- anywhere in the world right. that it's been tried. And socialism, same thing. Um, socialism, it, it's dispiriting. It sucks the vitality out of a people, out right. of their culture. Whenever you try to enforce equality, it's never productive. It's always destructive. Right. You know. So it, it just doesn't work. So how do we reconcile the idea that what makes Christianity, and I guess I'm asking you as a Christian, you know, what makes, again, I'm going to reinforce this idea, what makes Christianity so unique is that we are to love our enemies, truly love our enemies, to, to not, again, not sure. the people that we are friends with, not the people that we agree with, not the people we see eye to eye with, but the, our enemies, our actual enemies. We are to so love our sure. enemies. So how do we reconcile that, that tenet, that, that basic tenet of Christianity with the idea of we can't force equality? In other words, I, I guess what I'm asking you is, we are called as Christians mm-hmm. to help, to love, to forgive, right. all of these things that are kind of apart from basic human nature. And it seems to me that the new unholy trinity that you're speaking about, right, it seems to me that it is trying to usurp those values without a basis for that morality. In other words, it's saying, I agree that we should help our neighbors, but we should do it by taking away goods and equally distributing it. Right. It's no longer voluntary. It's no longer a voluntary measure. Correct. Yeah, and I think the voluntary nature of Christianity is central. I agree. I mean, yeah, you, you do it voluntarily. You, you voluntarily love your enemy. Okay, and this has the, the effect of ending the cycle of vengeance, which is very human. Right. Okay. It also has the. You killed my son. I'm going to kill your son. Well, right. my son and then he's exactly. going to kill so forth go, and so on. on. Right. So it ends the cycle of vengeance. It also has the effect of converting the enemy's soul because there's something about uh, an enemy loving you and being kind to you in spite of your meanness and doing good to you in spite of your meanness uh, that can touch your. Your conscience. It breaks that, so to speak. Right. It, it, can, it can make you re- review yourself. It can, it can cause shame. It, yeah. It can cause you to feel shame. Yeah. And next thing, that, that, and that's how Christianity has spread. It's, it's converted the souls because you turn the other cheek. But that, you're doing it genuinely. You're doing it genuinely. You didn't have to turn the other and cheek. And you're not doing it as a way to convert. That is, you're saying, is a product. It's just a product. It's, it's a product. Is it's, it's, People well, you, are going to say, well, man, that, that you, you stand apart from every other worldview, from right. every other religion. I right. really want to drive that point home because right. a lot of religions or a lot of people want to say, well, I have that view, even though they're not a Christian. And I want to challenge that, and I want to say, well, why do you have that view? And how is it that you can have that view without a basis for good and evil. If, right. you're, if you're an atheist, you have no basis, nor do you have a, even a basis. You, when we first started this conversation, right. we talked about language. You don't even have a basis for the meaning of the words coming out of my mouth. Right. You don't even have a, a starting point for an agreement right. that we have a universal understanding of the words coming out of my mouth. Right. So how can you possibly have a value judgment on what is good or what is bad? When you have no basis for good or bad. Well, let's take your example of the atheist. I mean, so why does he do what he does? Well, of course, self-interest. We all do what we want to do. We all do what's in our own best self-interest. But why would he ever go above and beyond? Why would he ever sacrifice anything that he didn't want to sacrifice? Um, 
Well, let, let's. I don't know why he would. I would say it's a false sense of morality. I would say that, oh, they are then creating, they're becoming their own God. They're creating their own tenets of morality. And they're going to say, I'm, I want to adopt this aspect of Christianity where it is good to love your enemy, whereas there is no tenable worldview that has that. I'd argue there, there is no other worldview right. that has that. Right. That's, again, what makes it so separate right. and so unique. And even if you're not a Christian, you're saying, well, I believe that. I'm going to argue, well, you don't have the basis to even believe that in the first place. And see, and, and again, Abe Lincoln wrote a interesting, and um, of course, he wasn't a Christian by any means. He was a deist, if no, he was no, even no. that. No. Um, and, and that's even subject. If he's lucky, he's in purgatory. <laughs> Yeah. If he's lucky, I got you. Yeah, maybe uh, Tad is is in heaven. I don't know. He's pretty young. Uh, but but basically, he 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 said that even the Christian, when they do these good deeds, and I'm I'm paraphrasing and making a short story uh, even shorter that he wrote. Um, but basically, he said that when the Christian does these good deeds, he's doing it to kind of merit. It's it's a meritocracy. Okay. He's he's kind. He's trying to merit these good deeds. Okay. Right, in order to um, gain favor in the eyes of God, or because this is what he is compelled to do as a Christian, is to do these good things, or else he's going to face eternal damnation in a, right. in a fiery, you know, brimstone or whatever. Right. I, I would say that's not the case. I would say that tr it's not it, it's not a good deed. You're not doing. You're not loving your enemy unless you're truly doing it without recourse, without any. Uh, reason, right? Other than the reason itself. Yeah, I'll buy that. You'd buy that. I, I like what you put that. You're, you're <laughs> in deep waters for me right now. Theology, those are the deep waters. Well, I mean, I, I told you again. I didn't yeah. know where this discussion that's, was that's, going to yeah, lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know where this that's, discussion that's okay. was going to lead. I, I, that's okay. I think. I think what we're both trying to get at, is, and and this is kind of something that I really want people listening and and, and viewers watching um, to really think about is why is it that we have the morals and guidelines that we have as individuals. And, and I'm not saying right. collectively as a society. I, I really want people to challenge themselves. Well, we, we do in our, if I'm following you, we do in our culture because of the Christian tradition. Because for all those centuries and centuries, preachers and priests and teachers were teaching the philosophy of Jesus Christ, and which is basically be good, don't be bad. Be good just because. Mm -hmm. uh, be good because God wants you to be good. And mm -hmm. also be good because of the fear of hell. Sure. All right. Fear God. All right. Fear God. And uh, so um, all this sank into our cultural bones. And progressivism, I, I kind of view progressivism as sort of like a Christianity without Christ because some of their ideas seem to be pretty sound. You know, uh, you know feed the poor, sure, but not in the name of Christ. But are they doing that? Uh, it's been a mixed bag to say the least. <laughs> I would argue that they're not. You know, you know yeah. what? No. Yeah. Uh, oh, because again, without this standard of morality, without this, this that's internal. That's internal. Has to be internal. It, absolutely, it has to be internal. Without the standard of morality, um, that you're going to be inefficient. It's going to be bureaucratically, it's going to be... Oh, you have to have more and more laws all the time. Right, which I mean, we do. And and again, that's... Sure. You asked me before before we started the podcast, you said, are you still a libertarian? And I told you, I am not. I'm, I'm no longer a libertarian. And, uh, and the reason being is, again, I love freedom. I think that everyone should have the most freedom that they possibly can have. I think that the, these are all good tenants, so to speak, but that it is an untenable worldview uh, because right. we have so many laws right now. There's, we're not going to have less laws. We're right. not going to drain the swamp or whatever, however you want to phrase it. Right. It's just, it's too, the bureaucratic machine is too large and it's too unwielding right now. And we know this because the head of our country is eating ice cream and falling off of bicycles. Right. So we want to say, is that, you know, kind of to bring it full circle to the beginning of the conversation, is that even the head of our country? Because this huge, giant, bureaucratic machine right. that is running right. and running our lives more and more each day. Built upon uh, unprecedented prosperity of the post-industrial world, uh, the, our poorest among us are overweight and li enjoy luxuries that Roman emperors could not have enjoyed. 
Um, so because of this extraordinary wealth, our, our Leviathan of central government has grown to an extent that the kings of old couldn't have grown their bureaucracies to because it just wasn't enough money. Right. But now there's vast amounts of money. And there's something about human nature that once the human has his lips wrapped on his teat, right. he's not going to let go. Yeah. He's going to keep on sucking. Yeah. Okay, it don't matter. It could be dry. He's going to keep on sucking. So it's like I, I view it to – so our bureaucracies have just grown and grown and grown, and now they have the employees, and these employees are looking forward to, towards pensions, and they have families that they're trying to take care of, and they have their, their status and their prestige within their, 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 their little their part of the bureaucracy. Whatever that and is. And whatever right. it is they have, they don't want to let go. And if you're the, the you're the department head of the bureaucracy, and you're always trying to uh, get more and more power for your for your bureaucracy. Of course, of course. Because you're trying to you're trying right. to preserve yourself. You're trying to preserve your right. family, the people those around. So let's say that you. you so have, I I find empathy sure. for the individuals within the bureaucracy. We, we, yeah, we we once the thing starts to grow, human uh, entities. They're, they have they take on a sort of a life form. They they want to grow like a living thing. Right. Corporations they, kind of do the same thing. That that ticks that's that's stuck in my hair. It's gonna suck and suck and suck. Right. Uh, it can't stop sucking. Right. Um. In, until it's gonna get big enough, that I'm gonna notice it and I'm gonna kill it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it's like you and I, Jonathan, being enlightened as we are, we might say, <laughs> "Hey, Uncle Sam." <laughs> Bureaucracy it's just gotten too top heavy. This is too it, big. It, it's not sustainable. Yes, we, it's based upon all this wealth, but this wealth is is limited. It's being drained, right? And you keep growing and growing, and growing this semi-socialist institution right. that's sucking the, the the vitality out of our culture, which is which is uh, so it's, it's weakening us. You're going to be there's less and less blood to take all the time. I propose that you begin to shrink it, and then hear the shrieks. Right. No, no, so, so who volunteers to cut their head off? Who got volunteers right, right, right. to in the bureaucracy? Who who wants to lose their pension? Who, who wants to pension? be fired? Who, who, who will take to, a five percent pay cut? Yeah. Who wants to Who wants to not feed their children? Yeah, who who wants will cut to, their, their their department in half? Right. Right. Well, no, they all go absolutely bananas because everybody yeah. is essential. You were talking about the the foster care bureaucracy that yeah. that you uh, suffered through, and and you, about all these absurd. Regulations that sure. they required you and your wife to go through in order to do a good deed for somebody. Sure. All right. Well, um, how many how many people are supported with, within the foster care bureaucracy by all those rules and regs? I mean, it's quite a few. I would get on phone calls with you know, yeah, uh, well, 12, 14, 15, 16 people. Yeah, they're all getting a paycheck, and they, sure. they don't want to give up their paycheck, and they and they don't want to be told that their uh, life's work is not is meaningless or it's it's redundant or, or excessive. it's not as valuable as this other bureaucratic mechanism. Or the man or, picking or, yeah. up my trash because the man picking up my trash is doing a very needful, necessary thing. But these people that are that are taking the time, getting paid for it, to write all these rules and regulations that you have to follow. That are requiring you to spend two or three thousand dollars that just doesn't need to be spent right. on your house in order to bring it up to code the codes that are absurd right. that they that they wrote that ju- that, but that justify their lives they don't want to be told that uh, this is your 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 your, so, your work is, is so we're hitting a brick wall here because we're 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 simultaneously saying that the the bu- the bureaucracy is too large oh yeah I think it is and I think it is too oh, yeah. I, I I would I would be hard pressed to find any American that would say, "Yeah, we probably need to trim the fat." Yeah, I think it's a tire fire. But but then but then we're also being empathetic towards the individuals that are within this bureaucracy sure. because they have their own individual lives to live and they're That's providing right. their own you know life's life's work as you said. Some of them are lifelong bureaucrats as That's you right. said. Some of them are even generational bureaucrats. My That's dad right. was a postmaster. I'm a postmaster. My grandfather was a postmaster. My son is going to deliver the mail or whatever it I is. Guess. Right. So I mean, it's it's like so. So what do we do? So what that that's the real question. What do we do if if we're saying the bureaucracy is too large, and yet we're also being empathetic towards the individuals within the bureaucracy? We work at the cultural level. We do what we're doing right now. We, we um, thinking. You, you and I have been. How dare you? you bring I, thinking into the government. We've been listening to thinkers uh, <laughs> uh, for for age, for, our, for our whole adult lives, and they've influenced us. And now here we are sharing our thoughts with whoever might be watching. Um, and then little by little, we try to tr- uh, get people to change their, th- their, their the way they think. Now we're getting at the cult. We're, we're trying to influence the culture. For example, in America, we have 
a culture of freedom. We're, we're, it's an inheritance that we all, virtually all of us inherit. Right. There may be parts of this country now where uh, that's becoming less the case, like some of the, the, the big, ugly blue cities. Right. But we, Americans, we love freedom. It's part of our cultural inheritance. Um, we're, for example, take guns. We, in the South especially, we love our guns. We're sure. not going to give up our guns. It's a cultural thing. Sure. Why won't we give up our guns? I don't know why we're not going to give up our guns, but we ain't. Yeah, right. Period. There would sure. be a civil war first, a shooting war. Sure. Um, so, we, 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 so that is a cultural inheritance that we got from our colonial uh, uh, sure. ancestors. All right. right. We're, um, so we, we work on the culture to get people to think in terms of what's best for everybody. What should we be doing? Maybe, you know, maybe um, uh, our taxes are too high. Maybe our get, get the, bureaucrat, the bureaucrats thinking, wow, I see now that there was, this work I'm doing is a little bit redundant. It's a little bit wasteful. Um, my department could be shrunk. You know, maybe that would be the best thing right. to get people again internal to internalize the issue, so that they're choosing to do that which is best for others and that might injure themselves voluntarily. Right. And there, right. there we get to the Christianity again. There we get to that sacrifice. The sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. The self sacrifice. Yeah, there we critical. Get. I, I, uh, it's cultural. Uh, I find a wallet full of cash on on the street. Do you right. keep it? I, Lord willing, I wouldn't. I hope that I would not. Instead, I, I hand it over to the authorities. All right. Now, do the authorities, the, the, the deputy sheriff that I give it to, does he keep it? Right. Or does he, ha- does he process it properly? Right. And, and then w- will it find its way back to the owner? And then if it doesn't, what happens to that money? <laughs> does it just sit well, in some well, drawer? For well, a, in, until yeah, the state yeah, right, decides right. that it goes right. to the pot. Okay. <laughs> so, but if you have, if you have a, a, a people that are by and large honest and decent folk... Uh, these are people that don't need a lot of laws. I agree. You, you don't have to have a lot of padlocks with these people. Well, I mean, and, and again, you know, um, to reinforce that idea, I mean, locks keep honest people honest. I sure. mean, so. Yeah. If, if you have a basically moral and upright population. Uh, these laws are just going to kind of steer. Almost any form of government can work. Yeah. Okay. If you have an immoral, corrupt population, no form of government can work. And all you wind up with is with layers of laws upon laws upon laws where, where, where the, the attempt of who's ever on, on, whoever the king is, whoever on top, is just to create so many incredible checks and balances that, that uh, people will not cheat for fear of some kind of retribution. But that's not a system that's fun to live in. It's not comfortable. It doesn't work long term. I believe the word is paternalism, right? Oh. So, so the idea that... that the, we need to create more and more laws for because the government, you know, wear your seatbelt. The government's going to be paternal, right? They're they're okay. going to act as the as the figure that's that a, is going to drive that's you, a great, your moral compass. That's a great thought. That's not what I was thinking. I, I was thinking about um, you know you having a moral people, the people that are dishonest, that will lie, that will cheat, that are right. corrupt. Right. Um, yeah, how, how do you regulate such a people if nobody has an internal check on themselves? I'm agreeing that there is no way in which you can regulate that. Right. I, I, I'm going to say yeah. I'm going to agree and say that no, there, there's you can have all the laws you want, but people are still going to break those laws if they're immoral. If they don't, if have, they can, they'll break them. If they don't have a standard for basis of right. that morality, right? It's 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 like trying to fill um, a a. Colander. Am I saying that right? Sure. Okay. It's like trying to don't fill ask a me how to pronounce words. Okay. <laughs> you know, it just, or, or trying to like fill a bucket with little holes in it. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard. It's hard to do. Right. Uh, and each little hole representing a dishonest person, a corrupt right. individual. It's like a chain. You have you have a legal chain. You know, it's got the police in it, the DA, the judge, uh, the the warden. All all every, as, as long as each uh, each one of those people in the chain are honest and upright and won't cheat. Right. Then you can have a good legal system where justice will, by and large, be served. Right. But you get one corrupt person in the chain, then it may maybe not. You get two people side by side in the chain, like uh, a DA yeah. and a judge working together. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now justice can be bought. Now. Yeah. And, and then people lose confidence in the system. Um, it, it, it affects quality of life. And people become cynical. They become cynical. People become sarcastic and say, well, what's it matter for me to do the right thing they, in the they, first place? They, they're right? they're going to be even less, uh, uh, even more reluctant to pay their taxes, to, pay, right. you know, to, to help help the team because they don't think it's fair, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So a, a moral people can, by, by and large, make any system of government work. But if, if the people are immoral, then you're screwed. There's not, not, uh, your, your people will not prosper. 
right. can't in any way. But let's go now. Let's let's go back to this paternalism sure. again. What, what were you saying there? <laughs> well, I mean, I was just saying that uh, that you were describing that the the um, you know the answer to an immoral society. You were saying that there more and more laws are going to be passed. Right. More and more laws are going to like kind of tell these people what to do. Sure. And I'm just pointing out that that is a, a system of paternalism, that okay. it is it is almost as if the, the government or the bureaucracy is guiding that moral barometer. It's telling you, hey, the best thing for you to do is to wear your seatbelt is a classic example yeah. of paternalism. Like, of course you should wear your seatbelt. Of course you should wear your seatbelt. Now, is a law going to compel you to wear your seatbelt? I would argue that no, you either are going to wear your seatbelt or you're not going to wear your seatbelt. Should you? Probably yes. You don't want to go flying through your windshield in the in the case of an automobile sure. accident. Now, should the law compel you to wear your seatbelt? I would argue that if the reason you're putting on your seatbelt is because it's the law that you've right. you've fallen into this trap of well, we better listen to the the bureau the bureaucrats. We better listen to the lawmakers in deciding what we should do, what compels us to action, because again. I'm smart enough to know that I can change my mind. Right. I'm stupid enough to know that I don't know really anything about the world around me. The more I learn about the world, the more I don't understand it. Right. So Uncle Uncle Sam might say, "Hey, you know, if I've got to pay for your medical bills and if you're going to live on the dole because you paralyzed yourself because you weren't buckled up, then, yeah, I, I can tell you to buckle up. That's what he might say. He's, he's, he's a bean counter. Right. But does that compel someone to action? Uh, I, I wear my seatbelt, number one, because I, I know in my heart it's the smart thing to do. Of course. Okay. Um, I, of also, course. I also do it because I, I'm afraid that if a cop sees me, that I might get a ticket. So a compulsion does work some. Okay. You know. Okay. I, I mean, yeah, clear, clearly compulsion works in yeah. human affairs. Yeah. Right. The fear of retribution absolutely is a, is a, is, is. And I guess to what degree, I guess right. to what degree that you're going to, you know, I mean, there's some people that aren't going to wear their seatbelt because they're like, I don't care. I'll just I, pay the ticket. Right? I don't like the idea of the nanny state. Um, at that's all. paternalism. Sure. Yeah. yeah right. The nanny state. There's right. another, that's a good I, I way. That's the, a colloquial well, term. To, right. I love paternalism is absolutely necessary in life, but in, when, when it comes to the state, State being paternalistic, yeah, I, that could become a problem. I think it has it's become like, a problem. Yeah, like, like, where, where do you draw the line? Yeah, well, I mean, if the state is acting in lieu of of creating a moral value system, right? right. So instead of you having your own moral value system, I'm not saying you're a subjective morality, but I'm saying that the the individual acts based off of a system of morality rather than an individual acts based off of they're afraid of retribution from the state right. or they're afraid of getting caught right. or they're only doing the good thing when people are watching right. and they're going to do the bad thing when people aren't watching right. when they know they can get away with right. it. A far better society would be people that actually think, right? right. Number one, they think. Right. They critically think about the right. world around them. They, and they have enough judgment to say, yeah, I was wrong. Yeah, Hey, I'm Jonathan Lodge. I used to be a libertarian. I no longer subscribe to libertarian. I've been clean and sober for... Right, yeah, <laughs> I, I, right. I'm no longer a libertarian. I've right. changed my mind view. Right. Yeah, or I've changed my worldview, right. rather. Um, and... and, and it's hard for some people because maybe they've they've hitched their wagon to whatever sure. and they're posturing or, sure. or there's social implications for them to or they're afraid they're going to maybe lose family, you know, connections because they've changed their view on this or they've changed their view on that. Right. But I think a society number one that thinks that has critical thinking, I think inevitably you're going to make a more morally just society. Now we can at another date, talk about, go a little bit more into sure. what that morality means. Uh, yeah. You know, um, while I'm thinking of it, just to show you how much our society has changed in our attitudes towards being free, and maybe we're, we're not quite as committed to it as we used to be. Back in the 70s here in Tennessee, when I guess it was the 70s, when the state first started talking about a mandatory seatbelt law. Mm-hmm. My granddaddy Butler went out to his truck and cut his seatbelt out. <laughs> what nobody going to make him wear a seatbelt? <laughs> and tragically, he died in a car accident. He flew through the windshield. <laughs> Mark, it has been oh, yeah, a pleasure. It. 
to Enjoyed have it. you on here. So Thank much. you so much. I know we kind of bird walked and talked about That's all kinds case. of stuff, uh, but it was That's it was very case. enjoyable to have Absolutely. you. And and tell people again where they can find your blog. Okay. Oh, I think it's m c a t k i n s dot com. Okay. It's WordPress. Yeah. You you brought a very different perspective to the table, and I've yeah. I've genuinely enjoyed talking with yeah, you. I want to, I'm going to start with human nature. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to make as much as I can. I'm going to make people consider our human nature. Yeah. And then and then look at their world through that prism. Right. You know. I'm going to ask people to just start with thinking. Yeah. Just start with thinking. Just start thinking. That's right. Yeah. That's right. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us again on the Logical Podcast. Thank our guest, Mark Atkins, and thank our producer, Kevin Bowie. And always thank Mike Weatherford. Mike, if you're watching this, thanks, buddy. Catch his show at 7 p.m. on Tuesday nights. See you all later.